Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hello, my dark darlings. I'm Markia, and this is the Something Scary Podcast, welcoming veteran listeners and those that are crawling with us for the first time into the deep dark. Fantasy doesn't always stay fiction. Sometimes it creeps into reality. And as we grow older, those childhood fairy tales gain a whole new meaning. First, Sapphire shares a magical tale about a baker with a dark, delectable secret. Next, we'll follow a young occultist into a dangerous swamp. After that, we'll help an injured drifter on the side of the highway. And finally, we'll watch as a children's fairy tale tears a family apart. I receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week. As always, the first story you hear is one that I've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. Then I read a few more stories for the podcast. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. And if you'd like to support the show and receive bonus content, consider joining our Patreon. Our patrons play a huge role in keeping the show running every single week. For more information on how you can help the show and also be a part of it, visit patreon.com slash snarled. So, want to hear something scary? The Baker's Inn. This week's video was sponsored by Wizards of the Coast. Now enjoy an original dark fairy tale inspired by Magic the Gathering, Throne of Eldraine. In the countryside of Ardenvale, on the outskirts of Beckborough, there was a family dairy farm that fell upon desperate times. To save the farm, the father sent his eldest daughter, Gertrude, to sell the family mule at the nearest village. After a half day's travel, Gertrude arrived in the village of Beckborough. She made her way to the marketplace and began asking around. The merchants waved her off or made joke offers on her mule. It was almost enough for her to give up and go home until she met a charming man in a feather cap. That's a good, strong animal you have, the man said. You deserve a good price for a mule like this. He made Gertrude a generous offer, even more than she expected, and traded her mule for a full bag of silver. Cheerful with her fortune, Gertrude skipped and jangled to a building named the Baker's Inn. She decided she could afford a room for the night before embarking home the next morning. The inn was warm and lively, with customers lined up to purchase dinner pies from the bakery counter. 
Gertrude reached the counter and she met the welcoming eyes of the baker. She eagerly placed a piece of silver on the counter and requested a pie and room for the night. Smiling, the baker placed the silver on his scale. But at that moment, his smile changed to a frown. He grabbed Gertrude by the wrist. Where did you get this? You can get in a lot of trouble buying goods with plated counterfeits. Gertrude looked down at her bag of silver, confused, and cold reality settled in. She began to weep. I didn't know. I thought the silver was real, I swear. She pleaded. The man in the feather cap tricked me. I sold my family meal to him and now I can never show my face at home. The baker felt bad for losing his temper. Oh, you poor child. That is not fair. He handed her a pie from the rack and gave her a table to sit and eat. With cheeks still moist, she ate the pie. It was hot and filled with a delicious, very tender beef filling. It was no wonder the bakery had people lined up earlier. It was evening now and Gertrude had nowhere she could go, but the baker had a proposition. Young miss, you saw how busy it got in here today. How would you like to work for me? You can live in the spare room and parcel money home to your family. Gertrude was speechless. She hugged the baker, and after he showed her the room, he explained her duties. She would clean, tend the bakery counter, and prepare the guest rooms. Gertrude would have a chance to save the family farm after all. She fell fast asleep. Later that night, she sprung awake to the sound of blood-curdling screams echoing through the walls of the inn. Was this a nightmare? What could she do? Gertrude clutched the sheets to cover herself and laid scared for a long time. But eventually, the screaming ceased and she drifted back to sleep. At sunrise, Gertrude came downstairs and welcomed a knight in noble silks with a sword at his hip. When the baker came out of the larder, Gertrude asked if he had heard the unsettling screams the previous night. Oh, what you heard last night, the baker began ominously is the inn's worst kept secret. We have a ghost problem. We're lousy with them, in fact. If I'd known better, I wouldn't have built my bakery in a haunted inn. They're a nuisance, yes, but they're harmless, I promise. This statement prompted laughter from the knight across the room. Ha, <laughs> sounds like a hoax. I've seen all there is to see, witches, fairies, red caps, and trolls, but never a ghost, he said. Well, tonight, maybe you will, derided the baker. The baker sent Gertrude to prepare the night's room, and after a long day of sweeping and selling pies, she sat down to a tasty pie of her own. Later that night, she awoke to more terrible screams. But now, instead of being scared, she was just annoyed. She buried her head in her pillow and filled her mind with positive thoughts. Decadent meat pies, her family, the farm. And with that, she drifted off to sleep. The next morning, Gertrude couldn't wait to ask the knight how he slept. But the knight was nowhere to be found. The baker pulled a fresh rack of pies from the oven. What happened to the knight? Gertrude asked the baker. Oh, him? The baker said dismissively. He was summoned to an errand for his lord and took off in the night. Care for a pie? This answer didn't sit well with Gertrude, and the lack of sleep was beginning to wear on her. The rest of the day, customers came in droves, and she was able to distract herself by selling pies. But night came too soon. To Gertrude's surprise, the inn remained silent. 
Somehow the silence was more unsettling. What, did the ghost decide to take a day off? She got up and crept over to the guest room where the night stayed before. There was nothing remarkable. It was just empty. She thought she had seen enough until she noticed an odd seam in the wall. She pulled it open to reveal a secret compartment. There in a pile laid a hoard of belongings, silks, swords, shoes, and armor. Every instinct told Gertrude it was time to leave. She rushed quietly down the hall, rounded the corner, and then covered her mouth in shock. The baker blocked the doorway to her room, his back turned. He was looking for her. Gertrude moved decisively in the other direction, down the stairs and towards the exit, until suddenly she heard a man crying for help, risking escape and safety. She followed the cries over to the larder. Inside, Gertrude saw sacks of flour, a bloody butcher's block, and a pile of human skulls. She gagged, now horrified by her new understanding, the pie's secret ingredient. Gertrude found the man who was crying out and immediately began to untie him and then stopped. There was now a knife held up to her face. It was the baker. Do you remember this man? Asked the baker. Gertrude glanced at the tied up man and had a shock of recognition. Yes, said the baker. It's the man with the feather cap who humiliated you. And now he's here at your mercy. She recoiled at the baker's sinister invitation. Even if he hurt me, nobody deserves this. I see, said the baker. But if you let him go, I'll still need meat from someone to make the pies. I can't keep up with demand, you see. It's either him or you. A week later, Gertrude's family began receiving parcels of silver delivered by messenger once per week. Over time, the farm began to flourish again and was doing better than ever. I miss seeing Gertrude, father said, but because of all her hard work, the farm is safe. I just hope she's happy wherever she is. And to this day, they say you can get the tastiest pies in all of Ardenvale if you visit a little haunted inn run by a baker and his assistant. But whatever you do, don't stay for the night. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. For those aspiring witches whose curiosity led them to something truly horrifying, this next story inspired by Caliban might be right up your alley. 
My name is Caliban. I grew up in the backwoods of Maine in a town called Wyndham. The land was green and fertile, but only for trees, weeds, and grass. Flowers, not so much. Hardly anything pretty sprang up in those hills. However, far behind our tree line was a misty bog. I'd always been interested in exploring the place. I read online that this swamp could grant wishes to those who'd brave its grounds. I wanted so much for that fantasy to be real, so I planned to enter the area. But I knew my parents wouldn't allow me, so I snuck out of my house during the day. I made sure to bring some salt from the kitchen. The internet said it could ward off evil. Who was I to argue? I stayed as well on the trail as I possibly could. The last thing I wanted was to get turned around this far from civilization. As I entered the swamp, I started to smell something foul. Something like a busted sewer pipe in the middle of the muck. My hair began to stand on end, not from disgust, but from fear. The smell, the tension in the air. I've read enough nature guides to know that I just stumbled into a predator's domain. Then I heard the sounds groaning, snapping, and that earthly rumble that lets anyone from Yankee country know for a fact that a tree had just fallen. But I didn't hear an ax swinging away or a chainsaw powering through the trunk. Then it happened again, snapping, groaning, with the terrifying crash of fallen lumber. And then a new noise joined the symphony, a snarl that turned into a roar. Not from some fur-covered creature, this roar sounded entirely new. Another tree came down, and this time it was close enough that I felt the ground under my feet rumble. And as I turned in the opposite direction to run for my life, the leaves around me spun like a dust devil. Tiny voices called to me. Don't go away. Our master He just wants to introduce himself. He's not so beastly once he's played with you. I immediately knew there weren't any bodies to these voices, as if the sound came from the swamp itself. As I bolted back along the path, I noticed rabbits quickly running into their warrens, ducks taking to the sky and soaring to safety. It began to dawn on me that I was not the only one who sensed danger coming up through the bog. I paused to catch my breath and to look behind me, if only for a moment. What I saw will never leave my mind. Slowly, looping around the corner, was a shaggy-haired, needle-nosed, blotchy-skinned troll. His teeth were coated with dirty green moss, infested with insects. His arms looked like decaying tree branches, mangled with woodpecker marks, and his eyes were a shade of white that seemed to peer right into my very soul. I didn't take another look behind me. I didn't scream or yell in fear. I pumped my legs and arms as fast as I could manage in the opposite direction. Trolls were myths. Trolls weren't supposed to exist. Trolls were Irish nonsense not even mom believed in, and she was Irish to the bone. I ran to the base of the swamp, leading back up to my house. I reached into my pocket, searching for something to stop the troll. In between my fingers, I felt the salt shaker. 
Remembering that salt could ward off evil creatures, I stopped at the tree line and dumped half of the salt to shape a barrier. I smiled and caught my breath. But just then, leaves picked up. A massive swell of wind broke the salt pile, sending the stuff right into my eyes. I fell to the floor and rubbed my face in pain. Tears broke out as I strained myself to look forward again. The voices were back. Let him play with you. Let him see you. Let him taste you. As my vision returned, there was the massive troll staring right at me, mouth wide open. The smashed remains of various animals hanging from his mossy green teeth. I screamed, and with all my might, I tossed in the rest of the salt shaker into its mouth. The troll froze. I didn't know what to do. But then it began to taste the salt. The troll started choking and trembling against the trees. It put its full weight against one of the old saplings and sent it falling towards me. I rolled out of the way as it smashed right into the muck beside me. The dust was kicked up again as thunderous stomps echoed further and further into the bog. Suddenly, a loud, painful roar shot out through the swamp and a final smash signaled the fall of the beast. The crows and magpies around me cawed loudly and flew away from the area. Did it work? Was that thing gone? The ducks and rabbits ran back into their home. I smiled. Things were safe now. I went in there wishing for magic, and it was granted. Fantasy had become reality. Trolls were real, and they were in my own backyard. If you don't believe me, do yourself a favor. Take a walk through the bog when the sun begins to set. Listen to your feet crunching over twigs and feel for the wind change. If you hear the voices of the swamp urging you to meet their master, then you'll know you've made it into the troll's nest. Just don't forget your salt or you'll become its next meal. Thank you so much, Caliban, for this story. I actually didn't know how to stop a troll before now. I don't, I honestly don't think I would know what to do. I mean, how else could you stop a troll? It's huge, powerful, this mythical creature made into real flesh. The thing that really creeped me out, though, were the voices in the swamp. Because the way that they sounded, they could sound a whole lot like the voices in your own head, just echoing back. I wonder if there are any other creatures that are weak against salt. I hope you could tell us, Caliban. I honestly don't have any idea. Would you stop and help a stranger in the woods? Well... This story inspired by a submission from Clint might make you think twice about lending a helping hand. The name is Clint. I live on a five-acre plot in the rural area of Jasper County near Arunago, Missouri. I used to be an officer on the force here in Jasper, but have recently retired. 
I do miss helping the people around Jasper, but it was nice to take a much-needed break. Most of the days, I'd hike along the highway, waving at the occasional car. One day, I was walking on State Highway 43, heading for North Fork Creek, when I heard something from a nearby stand of trees. At first, I thought it was just an animal, screeching in the thicket. But some of these sounded guttural, like they were coming from a person in trouble. I heard a voice scream, help. My police instincts kicked in, and I ran into the trees to help the man. As I cleared the bushes, I saw him. He was leaning against a tree, hidden beneath the dark shade. His body looked malformed, but strong as hell. His legs seemed busted up pretty bad. And strangest of all, he looked like he was covered in something dark, head to toe. The man froze as he saw me entering through the trees. He limped out of the shade. I saw him clearer now. He looked tore up bad. All he had on were his pants and the tatters of a work coat. You all right? I asked. He sputtered at me, blood dripping heavily from his mouth. A car flew right by me, hit me into the trees. Just then he doubled onto the ground. I thought he might puke, but instead he started coughing up hair large tufts of black hair dropping out of his bloody teeth. I quickly took his shoulder. Listen, bud, I got a place in Jasper. How about we get you there and patch you up? He finished his coughing and peered up at me in desperation. Near the forest? I smiled and pat him on the back. Can't escape it around here. The humor seemed to breathe some light into him and we drove back to my place. His name was Warren, and he was touring Missouri, just a fan of the sights like me. But he was strolling the highway when some asshole in a semi smashed into him. Thankfully, it seemed to only catch his legs, so he would be all right. We should probably call the police and catch that car, I insisted. No, no, we don't need to get them involved, Warren said. I don't want to spend my vacation huddled in some police station. I dressed all his wounds once we got back to my home. Most of it was just cuts and bruises, so it didn't take long to help him out. For his leg, I had to give him an old crutch. Warren seemed to be a pretty tough guy, and his physique matched. Still, physique doesn't count for much with a truck coming your way. I gave Warren some new clothes and let him rest on my couch for now. It had gotten dark, so I decided to give the sheriff a ring. I felt I had to file a report old habit, really. The sheriff seemed shaken when I described the incident. That's strange. That truck driver just drove into our lot. We're trying to wipe all the blood off his hood, he said. Well, that's great. So you arrested him, I asked. There was a long pause. He said he didn't hit a person. He hit an animal. It was moving fast across the road and struck his car. There's claw marks on the tires and the dents match. He tried to keep his composure, but I could tell he was worried. Keep that man on your couch. I'll be right down. The sheriff hung up in a hurry, not knowing what to do. I silently made my way back into the living room to check on Warren. But the couch was empty. 
and the nearby sliding door to the backyard forest was wide open. I slowly crept up to the door and peered outside. There was Warren, his back facing me, his front staring right into the dark hallway of trees. Warren stood motionless. My porch lights barely caught him in the night. Warren crouched down and started to tremble. Suddenly, he shot up from his position, clothes ripping and masses of flesh and fur breaking through his body. His spine and torso twisted into a brute-like shape. His feet grew long and his nails grew thick. Warren craned his narrow face up to the full moon and howled a horrible sound. He spun around to find me staring at him from across the yard. His menacing snout twisted into a sharp grin. Warren started stomping his way towards me, his black fur shining bright as he moved into the light. Warren crouched down, ready to pounce, but stopped. A sharp noise cut through his vicious breathing. It was the sound of a siren. The sheriff's cruiser burst through the trees and cut across my backyard. The sheriff busted out of his door, raised his rifle, and fired. The bullet ripped through the cold air and flung Warren back into a tree. And after several moments, Warren did not get back up. The sheriff then turned to me. A bandolier of glistening silver bullets set strapped to his vest. With the red and blue flashes from his cruiser, he walked up to me and grunted. I think we might need you back after all, Clint. So now I'm back on the force, helping the people of Jasper County, but in a whole different way. I advise anyone listening to this, if you take a walk in the woods, don't trust who you meet in there, because you might not make it out alive. I really wonder what happened to Clint after this story was done. This sounds like this was his first encounter with the supernatural with the mythical and to have this be this amazing creature be the first one you know something that my mother likes to say is that we attract the things that we can handle and the fact that Clint could handle well I'm gonna just go ahead and say it a werewolf that says a lot about him would you take an injured stranger into your home, I wonder? I mean, that seems like one of those things that we can't really answer until they're standing right there asking us for help. I think that I would. Would you? Sometimes, the spooky stories we're told as children can follow us into adulthood. This story inspired by Teresa is proof. We lived in the Filipino province of Bukidnon. Growing up without a father was difficult. It was me, my younger sister Diane, my mother, and my two grandparents. Our father died when Diane was born, so our Lolo took over as a fatherly role model for us. Something we both loved to do, however, was revel in Filipino myths. Lolo told us tons of Filipino legends, and at such a young age, we ate them right up. We grew up to believe in all the fantastical creatures from his stories. But as we got older, 
We never really dropped the belief. Sure, they were just stories, but we were still cautious about some of the creatures that really frightened us. One of which were the Encanto, or what you might refer to them as elves. Now these elves aren't the cheerful type from your childhood stories with pointy ears and magic wands. Encanto are much more powerful. They appear more human-like, except for their unnaturally high-bridged noses, extremely fair skin, and golden glowing hair. These elves had enormous power. If you didn't respect them, they could possess your mind and drive you to insanity or make you lose your way, causing victims to disappear from their life forever. It's true that some Encanto could bring luck, but the true horror came from the fact that they had the power to do wrong and the choice to as well. And oftentimes it was the latter. Encanto lived in baletti trees. And wouldn't you know it, we had a baletti tree right outside our very house. As kids, this story scared us to death, and my Lolo was proud of it. He warned us that since the Uncato preyed upon women, we were never allowed to date. As kids, we swore celibacy and left little offerings of candy to appease the Uncato. But as we grew older, our superstitions went away. We left the Baletti tree alone, and we started dating people. Diane was crazy about one boy in particular, his name was Gabriel, and my sister would spend all day with him. She was barely home, and over time we noticed that she had become more sluggish. We thought it was because she was staying up every night talking to Gabriel, but she was still fatigued in and out of the house. One morning, she completely collapsed in the living room. My Lolo noticed the symptoms right away and called a local abolorio to our place, and Abolario was like a witch doctor or a healer for those afflicted with otherworldly qualms. When the Abolario visited our house, she brought Diane back to her senses with some herbs and immediately began asking her questions. Who are you talking to in the middle of the night? Gabriel from the trees, my sister muttered. She never mentioned the trees part before. We all became worried. The Abolario continued. What does Gabriel want from you? Diane coughed. To join him. The Albolario struck her hand on the sofa in rage. She turned to us, gritting her teeth like a doctor who lost a patient. And Uncato has marked your dear Diane. It seems to already have her mind. We were all shocked when we heard this. There was no skepticism in the room. We all believed it, and we had to know what to do next. Is there anything we could do to prevent this? My mother asked in tears. The albulario merely stood up from her seat and gathered her things. Pray, she muttered as she left our home. No one slept that night, not even Diane. She was in and out of consciousness, moaning in pain. The longer she was away from the Belletti tree, the more she complained. She would always try to get up, but my mother would hold her down until we could plan something. Me and my Lolo drove to nearby markets, buying up all the candy we could. He was silent the entire ride home. I could tell he felt guilty. 
I'm sure we were all having fun back then, sharing stories about myths and legends. But this was real. This was actually happening. And Uncanto had my sister and we couldn't get her out of it. I went outside alone and threw down the candy at the Baliti tree, tears streaming down my face. Give her back! Give her back! I screamed, but nothing worked. I shouted so loud that a neighbor came to see if I was okay. Everything all right, Teresa? They asked innocently. I laughed at the question. How could anything be close to all right? As I smirked, I turned to my neighbor, whose pale lips were smirking right back, encircled by golden glowing hair and a high-bridged nose mocking me in the moonlight. It was Gabriel. I clenched my fists in fury. This was the thing that was stealing my sister away, the Uncato. I want her back, I said plainly. His smirk turned into a wide grin. You really want her back? A shame. Her pain amuses me. And where can I find a replacement for a grieving family? I gritted my teeth, marching towards him. I won't ask again. His lips drew thin, but his smile remained. You might not like how you get her back. It was too much. I couldn't take it. I rushed towards Gabriel and tackled him to the ground. With all my fury, I took my palms and clenched them tight around his throat. I shook his head around while squeezing his trachea. Give her back! Give her back! Give her back! I squeezed so hard I thought I was going to break my hands. Gabriel kept staring back at me with a smile on his face. His fair skin grew dark and red as I forced all my might to crush his windpipe. And suddenly, his face transformed from a look of pride to a look of horror. His eyes shot open wide and tears sprung from his face. Please, stop, Teresa, he sputtered out in pain. I screamed and tightened my thumbs. I could feel the breath leaving his body. Gabriel convulsed and kicked. He pleaded in tears until finally he stopped moving. I slowly took my hands off his broken neck. I closed my eyes and craned my head up, letting the cool air pass from the Baletti tree. And then I opened my eyes, but the moon was replaced by our ceiling fan. The temperature rose. I wasn't outside anymore. I was in my living room. My breath grew short. I felt the horror. I knew the truth. I was on the couch on top of my sister. I slowly craned my head below me to find the frightened face of my dear sister, killed by my own hands, tears still fresh in her eyes just like mine and a look of betrayal staring right back up at me. The Incantu hadn't driven her to madness. It drove me. The light flickered on as my mother and grandparents gasped at what I had done. In the end, Gabriel had lost his victim, but he kept his grieving family. Wow, I... 
I am so sorry that this happened to you, Teresa. Everything about this, the Nkatu in particular, I would like to think that there are good Nkatu and bad ones, especially if they're ones that could bring you luck. And just like with humans, we have the choice to do good or to not. And I'm, I'm so sorry for this tragic event that happened in your life. It makes me wonder if there's anything that we could have done to save Diane. It seemed like the Nkatu had her in his sights no matter what. One thing that I definitely believe though is that I, I am glad that their Lolo did teach them about these creatures because could you imagine not knowing what to do at all? It's always better to be aware even if that leads to an ending like this. This week's podcast stories were edited by Adam Sinker and Sapphire Sandalo. Audio editing for this podcast by Fitz Harris. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and receive bonus content, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my dark darlings, sweet dreams. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.